All teachers want to do a great job creating learning experiences for children. But taking risks, especially in today's education environment, is difficult. Today, we're going to talk with an educator and an author who's empowering others to teach boldly. Hello, and welcome to episode 28 of the Education for a Better World podcast. I'm Mike Soskal. And I'm Diane Smokorowski. Each week, we will bring you conversations with some of the most dynamic thought leaders in education. This week's episode is sponsored by GoToScience, a tool that allows our youngest learners the opportunity to learn by going on adventures without leaving their classroom. We know that education will be the driving force for a bright, optimistic future. On each show, we'll introduce you to innovative ideas, we'll stretch your thinking, and help you see ways to empower students to affect positive change in the world. We are thrilled that you are coming along with us on this journey. Let's dream big. Before we dive into today's show, I have a couple of housekeeping announcements that I'd like to share with you. First, there's still some space to join us, Diane and I, on a teacher adventure to Kenya in June of 2020. If you visit bookbagtours.com, you can get all of the details and find out how you can come along. We're going to visit schools, go on safari. It's going to be an incredible adventure, and we'd love to have you with us. Second, I want to share with you that we are now getting into summer, which means that for Diane and I, our schedule gets a little crazy, and that's going to affect some of our, uh, our podcast recordings and when we can put out shows. We're still planning on having a show for you every Friday, but the format's going to be a little different during the summer. Uh, sometimes we're going to revisit some of our favorite episodes from the past and share those with you, maybe with a little extra commentary. Uh, but we're also going to have some live shows that we're going to do. Diane and I are going to be in the same place in ISTE at the end of June, so we're going to do a show from there. And also at the NSTOI conference, the National Network of State Teachers of the Year conference down in Orlando in July. So we'll have two special shows for you there. Of course, we're also going to have some of our regular shows that are formatted the same way that you've gotten used to where we have amazing guests from around the world share with you how they're using education to make the world a better place. For those of you that are going to be at ISTE, Diane and I would love to see you. There's two opportunities for you to come and meet up with us. First, on Tuesday morning, June 24th, from 7.30 a.m. until the keynote starts around 8.15, 8.30, you can meet us in the social media lounge. Empatico is providing some free coffee and a light nosh for anyone that wants to come and chat with us about global learning or how to develop empathy in students in your classroom. Later on that day from 10 to noon, Diane and I also have a scheduled poster session where we're gonna be talking about global collaboration uh, and how you can do that with your students. So stop by, we'd love to see you in either one of those places. Today's guest, Dr. Jennifer Williams, works for Quality Education Worldwide as the co-founder of Teach SDGs, the UN-appointed organization that has connected more than 30,000 international educators to the Sustainable Development Goals. She's a professor at St. Leo University and writes for Edutopia, Education Week, and the International Literacy Association. In 2016, she was named number 33 of the 200 top education influencers, and in 2017 was named number 13 of the top women edtech influencers by Analytica, based on her work in education and educational technology. Dan, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here with you guys today. So why don't you start by telling us, what does it mean to teach boldly? 
<laughs> Great question. Uh, just so happens to be the title of my new book coming out with ISTE. Was that planned a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little. <laughs> Maybe a little, but yeah. So um, my journey as an educator has really led me to this concept of teaching boldly. And I've had this, this great privilege of meeting educators. I've been in education now for about a little over 20 years. And so educators here within the United States and, and working globally that are finding new ways to innovate, finding new ways to take risks. They're unapologetic in um, taking these bold moves and, and, and making bold choices for their students. And so I see these as educators that are, are teaching boldly. So I've, uh, what I've been doing is just kind of pulling together these stories, and I have this great opportunity now with ISTE to share those in my new book. In your book, you talk about some of these empathy-driven practices. Can you give us some examples of that? Yeah, so, uh, you know, my background in education, it's, it's not one that kind of started off right in, in the classroom. So I, I started as more of a scientist of education, as a speech pathologist. So I was actually working outside uh, of the profession, in the medical profession, and then um, was just driven to, to be in the classroom. And so I, I come from this background of really understanding the importance of um, things like communication and perspective taking, social emotional learning, and empathy, and I'm thrilled to hear that more teachers are interested in, in these topics. Empathy-driven practices, I think this, this is a really important moment for us in education. So as we see jobs, you know, machine learning and AI, we are going to need to be um, diligent in ensuring that these decisions that are made for humans are um, driven by empathy and, and compassion and kindness and concern. For, for humans. And I think it's great to have that start right in, in our classrooms and our schools. So we're seeing teachers intentional about this. And so they, they recognize it's, we go into our, our classrooms and we know we, we are going to have a responsibility to teach reading and writing and math and science. But uh, these essential skills of perseverance and, and grit and um, my grandpa used to always say stick to which it's that was, that was like such a fun word with all these hyphens, but that stick to of sticking with something, especially in this noisy time. So innovation is wonderful and we get to innovate and create and design and move. And um, it, a lot of people that are doing work in design thinking, there's this, this concept of iteration, which is great because you start with something and, and you move and you grow, but you have to ensure that as you move and you grow, that you're moving in that same, um, that same path as you started out that you wanted to be in. So, so empathy is really at the heart of everything, I think, in education. And uh, I'm really thrilled to see it getting so much attention these days. So in your research for your book, can you share maybe a story of a teacher or a, a class example where this, this concept of teaching boldly really came to life for you and, and opened your eyes to something that was totally new? One that comes to mind is Melissa Collins. I think you both know her. She's this phenomenal uh, elementary educator in Memphis. And her story, um, a couple of things come from it. I think one would be the, the power of an invitation. And I'll go into that a little bit. But also this um, 
desire to want to start really young with students and cultivating these types of skills. So Melissa was going to be doing some work with uh, the National Civil Rights Museum and having her kids do a peace sign march. And so she reached out to me. We had never met. We had never talked before. And on Twitter, she said, uh, can I send you a DM? And I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. So she sends me this direct message and she was like, We've, we've worked together in some circles on Twitter and had some conversations there, but I have this project and I'd love your help. And you know, when you're an educator and someone's saying, I'd love your help, you're like, yes, I'm in. It doesn't even matter what you're going to say next, um, but I'm with you. And so she said, I have my little ones here in my class and we are going to be making peace signs. They're going to be making um, physical peace signs that they're going to be able to march with. And they're going to be making some digital peace signs as well. And I'm so excited about this work that I just want to share it do you have any ideas? And I'm like, absolutely. Let's do this. Let's share it out with the world. And so uh, there's some tech tools that we were like, let's use these because they're free. And um, they work really well. It's spreading the word and storytelling. And so we created a one page web page. We created a, a cute little Twitter graphic and we put it out there and just said, anyone interested in joining us and having their students create peace signs and talk about the importance of peace and taking action for good. And, and then we started having teachers say, I'm on a BN from all over the world. And here's a good book you should read to your students. And here's a good video you could play for them. And then we were able to curate all of these different resources, share them. And then the students, uh, they did marches in a classroom. And then we joined virtually with Melissa as she shared and her students marched at the, the National Museum. So that was a, that was, something that really stuck with me of just a small idea. Like, let me, teachers are doing amazing things in their classroom every day, uh, but they don't even realize how extraordinary they are. And so by Melissa saying, I want to move this beyond the walls of my classroom. I want to bring other people into the conversation. It's pretty powerful. You also have this passion for the sustainable development goals and how we can reach those um, opportunities in the classroom. What are some of the things that you think teachers could be doing to tap into mm -hmm. those connections? Yeah, for anyone that is unfamiliar with the, the SDGs, also known as the Global Goals, so uh, these are 17 goals that we as a world agreed upon in 2015 to work together to meet by the year 2030. And so I, I happened to be at a conference a couple of years ago and meeting um, with another educator. And we said, who's bringing, these, who's bringing these goals to students in the classroom? Because what we found is we'd been talking about global ed for a long time. And uh, we'd put in conference proposals and we'd say, we're really passionate about this work. And teachers thought it was a nice add-on. They were like, yeah, that sounds great, but I have these standards and I have classroom management and I have testing. So that sounds like a nice to have and I'm glad you're doing that work, but it's probably not something we have time for. But something happened when these goals came out. I don't know if it's the brilliant colors or the, the catchy icons, but this roadmap had this sticky quality that teachers were like, yes, I'm in. I get it. I get that why. And so seeing that, and understanding that, okay, now we've got, we've got these teachers and, and they're ready to, to jump into this journey in global education and sustainability with us. How do we get them to the next level? How do we even get ourselves there? You know, it's all, we're all working on this together. 
And so we said someone out there must be doing this work around SDGs. And so uh, we had sent a tweet out back to Twitter. <laughs> Everything, all these great things seem to just come from um, social media spaces and our PLN. And the UN answered and they said, we're, we're interested in learning the answer to this question as well. Um, would you come and to New York City and, and have a discussion with us on this? And so we did that. And from there, we were tasked with uh, finding ways to bring the SDGs to classrooms. We, we met, I remember so clearly, it was a cold January day, and we met on the, the steps of the UN, and we said, okay, what next? What do we do? And we said, let's make a hashtag. So we made the Teach SDGs hashtag, and now we have thousands of educators that are, are trying to find ways to bring the global goals to classrooms. And to your question, it's, it's being done in so many different ways, from little, like little sparks of just printing off the Sustainable Development Goal poster that shows all the 17 goals as a conversation starter. So print it, hang it in your classroom, and people say, oh, you know, it just kind of naturally draws you in. Like, what are those? I want to be involved. Climate change and gender equality and life underwater. I mean, these are all goals for all of us that we, we need to come together to address. And so from just printing the poster and hanging it in the classroom to creating year-long projects where teachers are coming together to address real problems that are being faced at local levels and, and trying to find global solutions together. So, so it's interesting. You know, we're, we're watching carefully. We're all trying to figure it out together. Um, it's very complicated, but those little steps that we can take and taking action, I think, is going to go a long way. In one of your previous answers, you, you use the phrase, taking action for good. And that seems to fit so well with the sustainable development goals. What tips would you have for teachers that are trying to empower their students to make their world a better place? With adults, sometimes it's tricky. Like the, a mindset shift is hard. But as teachers, we get to see this happening every day with our kids. Like they'll do something, they'll totally flop, and they're like, no big deal, stand up, brush off, and move forward. Um, I think that we are able to, as teachers, kind of um, nurture that. And we can say to our kids, um, it's great to be able to talk about different cultures in our classroom and learn about, and, that, and that's what I was seeing a lot with teachers in that, in that beginning phase, saying, okay, let's talk about different types of food and different holidays. But now we're moving to that level of the next step, which is taking action. Uh, and that can come in many different forms. So is it in the form of campaigning, which would be really like advocacy and awareness? Or is it in the form of activism where it's saying, this is a cause I believe in. This is what I'm going to do. I, and I'm not going to stop. And so for us as teachers, I think that it's that moment of getting them to that point of passion and having them know, this is what I really care about. Um, and being cautious not to just say, all right, we're going to work on a passion project and we're going to take action on something. So in the next five minutes, I want you to think about something that you really care about, and then we're going to move forward on it. I think that moment is where we need to stay. We need to spend some time, um, really developing and, and having these kids figure it out because it's, it's not going to just come easy for them. Um, I think that might take some time and, and for us to be comfortable in knowing that that process is, is really what it's about. Let me take a second to tell you about the sponsor that's made today's show possible. 
GoToScience is an amazing tool for pre-K through second grade students that allows them to learn every area of the curriculum through scientific inquiry. Every month, we give away a free one-year subscription to GoToScience. To win this month, simply contact us via social media, send us a tweet at ed4betterworld.com, that's the number four, or send us a message on Facebook telling us why you think that you deserve a free subscription. It's that simple, and we'll choose one lucky listener every month. I also want to let you know that Diane and I are available for workshops for your teachers or to do a keynote at your conference. You can contact us through our website. That's ed4betterworld.com. Now let's get back to the show. You mentioned that um, in your book that there's this need for storytelling in education. What um, Can you share a little bit more about what that is? Mm-hmm. Yeah, st- Neat things are happening right now with storytelling. And um, so for us as, as teachers and to be able to really guide our students to be illustrators of the human experience and, and have them um, not only capture the stories, but find out ways to effectively share them with a global audience. Um, I think that's, it's neat for us to be able to do it right now. We have these digital tools that are supporting us and it, Um, One example that I talk about in my book is this group of sixth grade students and they this year had said, we want to do something um, in our classroom, in our science class, and we want to create a garden, which many students do, and that's phenomenal. And um, so this is kind of showcasing going from that uh, awareness level to activism. And so they started learning about Uh, food science and um, how food miles do matter and production to plate and saying, well, okay, we've created this garden in our school and now we can eat the food in our cafeteria, but how can we share this message and and this learning that we are having as one sixth grade group with others? And so similar to teachers starting small, they started small and and they had reached out to me and they said, we see that you're all over Twitter and that you really love to use this medium to um, get messages out and share stories. Can you help us? And so again, back to the, can you help? And yes, I'll be there. Anything you need, never met them before. And so we had a Skype call and they just sixth grade kids, like, what should we do? What should our Twitter handle be? And then, um, so they started also interviewing experts in food science and then they created videos for other classrooms. They now Skype every week with classrooms from around the world to share what they've learned, also to learn together. I mean, these are great examples of storytelling. And so storytelling can be, of course, in the form um, even of a question. So, you know, I always, I always talk to kids and you're bringing something to the conversation, even if it's a question. And that's, that's where a story can start. So, so it's really just following the kids. You've mentioned a couple times connections that you've made with other teachers or students on social media and Twitter. What do you see the role of connection through technology to be in education today? Yeah, so I was super resistant to jumping into Twitter uh, in the beginning. I was like, um, that's just something that is not going to support me professionally. And then it was, I guess in like 2013, I was at an ed tech conference and everybody had hashtags and at signs and I was like so confused. And I was like, I guess I better learn because I'm definitely late to this conversation. So I kind of just jumped in, started doing Twitter chats. And then from there, I found that the relationships I've developed through social media and Twitter 
all of all the opportunities I've had in learning have come from that. I can always stem it back to Twitter, uh, someone I've met on um, Twitter. But I think um, when we talk about adult learning and connectedness and um, and giving educators spaces for sustained learning that's relevant to their practice, uh, these spaces like Twitter can really be a place for, for us to go. Um, the learning is responsive. So if you have an idea and you put it out there, you're getting feedback right away. Um, there are these crowdsourced ideas where instead of me being in my classroom and kind of being marketed to like, here, try this, it's me seeking out new learning and being able to, to go there um, and find unexpected answers. Like I might not be searching for something, but it just pops up and it's like, oh, I want to try that. And then it's that rabbit hole where you're like, oh, now I'm trying all these different things. But um, those connections and I think the opportunity to jump into these, you know, there's a lot of new things in, in PD we see mastermind groups are, are gaining in popularity and teachers are, are becoming architects of their own journey and blogging and podcasting as you all are doing. So it's this, this intersection of, of work and per professional growth and personal growth all kind of coming together. Your book also describes um, gathering inspiration from real world peacemakers in education. Are you talking about some of those people who you find and connect with in Twitter? Are you talking about makers that work for a, for a better world? Is it a little bit of both? It's definitely a little bit of both. And I think, um, and kind of coming back to that concept of intersections, I feel like we're starting to see all of those kind of blur. So a student, as a teacher, someone in industry, as a learner, like we're all starting to see that, oh, we're in this together. And uh, we're going to have to we're going to have to join forces. So, so peacemakers in my mind, um, and I really emphasize the make in in the word peacemaker in my book. So it's not it's not a passive. Uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna intend to do good today. It's no, I need to go out and do it. I need to make that future that I'm talking about. So we as educators were talking about like, oh, and I'll be in so many conversations with teachers and they're like, if we could invent our own school, like I hear that a lot. And, and we have a great foundation in education. There's a lot of things that are working. Um, but if we want transformative change, we need to be ready as teachers to transform. Um, and we need, going back to being bold, and we need to be able to be bold in those decisions and say, you know what, this isn't gonna be easy. Um, I might have some hurdles that I'm going to have to go through, but it's worth it. So that's, that's where I think we're at. With this idea of teaching boldly, what are three things teachers can do now to be more bold? Well, um, conveniently, my book is broken into three topics. So first is uh, <laughs> um, presence, uh, being present, thinking about wh where to jump in. Um, where do you want to jump in and where to slow down? Because if you're moving forward with one thing, then that's inevitably going to be replacing another. So where do you want to slow down? And then where do you want to speed up? So in that first, uh, you know, in, in that phase in my mind of um, presence, that's kind of what's getting you to purpose. So thinking about time, thinking about the things you value, what you want to place your time on. Uh, which then would get you to purpose. So I think um, 
with this is with purpose, I think that we need to be confident in our assertions, um, but also highly adaptable, ready for change, able to stay grounded in the work, but say, okay, I'm going to move with this. I'm going to pivot. I'm going to be nimble. Um, and I'm going to be secure with those decisions. And then, and then lastly, it would be perspective and just constantly challenging our own assumptions. I learn every day. Um, I, I remember before I, and this was when um, I was in, I was teaching, I was in a school that really valued global education. I thought we were on it. Like I was like, I've got this. And then I remember, and this was right after I jumped into Twitter, I, I met a teacher in Nairobi and she had, she had reached out on social media and said, hey, you know, hey, we, we are doing some work in the community and uh, I recognize that literacy is a passion of yours. Would you be able to help us get books? And so, you know, me, I'm like, yeah, let's find a way and um, jump on a call with her. And I'm thinking in my mind, what does school look like? My assumption of what school is that I've always known. And so I asked her, she was saying, well, school for these kids, this is, um, they come here. I, I, I go, well, you know, what is their motivation for coming? And she goes, they come here for food. This is their meal. And, and so I was kind of, you know, caught off guard with that a little, just because it was, I had a children that I, you know, I was their only meal in, in school for, but to say all the children, this was, this was their motivation. And so I said, well, would I be able to see into these schools? And, and to learn more because the way I see it, it are these buildings. And so she sends me a picture and school for them was a tree with a chalkboard and this crooked tree with this old chalkboard leaned against it. A teacher that may or may not come, but children are there for me at first, you know, that's me challenging those assumptions. And I had to think, rethink what, what does school mean? And, um, and my, my first emotion was sadness. I was just like, this is, this is heartbreaking. But then it so quickly changed to recognizing, oh, school is life for these kids. This is, this is where they're nourished. This is where their community is. This is where they're growing. And they treasure learning. Like to see that in the face of everything happening in that environment, how much they, they know, no, learning is what's going to get me to next. This is what my hope is. So so in that final phase of, of perspective is just really um, trying to constantly be a learner and, and think of ways you can expand your, your perspective. Jen, tell us a little bit about your journey as an educator and how you got to the point where this became your educational philosophy. Well, it's constantly growing and evolving. Um, I was in the classroom for 20 years, so I... Um, I started off, as, as I said, I was a speech pathologist. I was working with students with um, severe disabilities. Mostly I was working on swallowing and um, working with students that really didn't have uh, language in the way we know it. And then um, I did that for a while. And then I moved to a Montessori program. And there wasn't as much need for therapy. So I moved into reading. And I was a literacy specialist, uh, classroom teacher, I was a school um, administrator there. And then we were early adopters with technology. And this was back when we didn't really have um, guidebooks on uh, ways to use technology in meaningful ways. So we had to figure it out. And we made tons of mistakes, but we learned so much. So we decided to use tech 
for our um, own mission of global ed because we were a world school. And so we were finding ways to connect with teachers from around the world, which was so hard back then. It, you know, now you can just jump online and in five minutes, if you say, you know, I'd love to connect with the classroom to talk about Cinco de Mayo, you have teachers saying, I'll be there in 20 minutes. Um, this would take about six months. So we had to contact the Ministry of Education in a country that we were, we were wanting to connect with. We were um, trying to find teachers that had reliable Wi-Fi connection, which still is an issue. Teachers that were willing to take a risk because um, we were absolutely going to fail and have problems and, and have to figure it out along the way. And so um, this is where like, I fell in love with teaching. And I was like, this is it. This is what I really want to be able to do. So uh, in 2014, I left K-12 and had the opportunity to work with pre-service teachers and currently practicing teachers in the grad ed program. And then I get to work with classrooms around the world that really uh, are trying to find ways to give their students opportunities to meet new people, learn about new cultures, and, and make the world a better place. So you mentioned how challenging it was to start with global learning in the in the 90s, early or late 90s, early 2000s is where uh, a lot of us started into that global journey. And we were investigating forums and all these places to connect. Today, like you said, it only takes a few seconds and you can find some sort of conversation to get going. When you work with your pre-service teachers, what are some of those ideas? So this is what I'm finding is still challenging. Um, and, and, and this is another assumption too, you know, there's all this, this talk of um, digital natives and digital immigrants. And so my university students, uh, my pre-service teachers coming, oh boy, with, with so much heart, like they have worked to get into these programs and um, anyone, I've had people say, oh, you know, this is, you know, we're going to, we're not going to see as many teachers coming in. I'm like, we absolutely, that is not true. We are seeing people coming. They are ready to, to serve. Um, so they're coming in and this is new for them. Global ed and, and global collaboration typically has not, for me at least, been something that I've seen my pre-service teachers exposed to. So we kind of have to start from the beginning and, um, we talk, like even things like social emotional learning and getting them that core of and what global collaboration and, and using ed tech for good can provide. So we start with those conversations. Um, this past year I've had, I love this class. I've been teaching um, literacy across the curriculum, which is so fun. So I get to talk about what does literacy look like in the math class? What does literacy look like in the social studies class in the science class, PE art? And so I always look at that through the lens of global ed. And so we're talking about, okay, you know, humanities, there's so many natural connections, but there also is in art and even PE, you know, I'll say, okay, phrase, like, let's think, what, how could we have a PE class connect globally? And then, you know, the ideas start to come. So, um, but the tricky part, so that's great. Like, you know, we're in our class, they're, they're full-time students. You know, when you move out into the classroom, everything kind of hits you. And so then you're challenged with scheduling. Like you, you know, you're a new teacher and creating a schedule is hard and parent communication. And there's all of those things. So my advice for, and this would be really, um, and, and you both probably have seen it as well. It, it could be new teachers, um, very experienced teachers, me, um, not having global collaboration and global ed be an add on because I think that's where it gets hard. And when we say, okay, 
we're going to do this great project for a week at the end of testing season um, because there's just never going to be the time. So if you can find ways to bring it into the work you're already doing, the, you know, the standards that you must be meeting, um, the, the programs, the curricula that you're, you're committed to in your, in your classroom instruction, that's where I see it's most effective. So that's always my advice. So Jen, I know that uh, your book is going to be available for purchase at ISTE, right? It is, yes. Can you tell our listeners, if they're not at ISTE, where they can get the book? And if they are coming to ISTE, where else they can maybe see you present and talk? Oh, yeah, that's great. So my book, Teach Boldly, um, is going to be available for pre-order at ISTE. So if you're coming to ISTE in Philadelphia, which I'm um, so excited to get there. There's so many great speakers that are planned for this year and events. Um, you can pre-order it there, or you can go on like Amazon or Barnes & Noble and order it from there as well. It's not coming out till September, so it's coming out around, there's a lot of global events that are happening in September that I'm really passionate about. So the General Assembly Week, which is also um, in alignment with Global Goals Week, which has Social Good Summit and Wise New York. So International Peace Day, there's a lot of great September events um, that I'll be, I'll be excited to launch my book around in September. I will also be heading to Iowa in June uh, to keynote with the Heart of Innovation Conference. So I'm excited. I've never been to Iowa. I'm trying to check off all my 50 states. And so I'm excited to work with educators there. And, um, and before that, next week, I will be at a conference in um, Florida in Central Florida, keynoting a conference there. So, so yeah, it's available anyone. If you have questions, if you're just interested in jumping into this conversation around using ed tech for social good, I'd love to talk more. Um, my handle on Twitter is at Jen Williams EDU. So always, always ready to talk on that there too. All right, Jen, last question. And this is a question that we ask of all of our guests. And we're going to ask you to do it in only one or two sentences. If you could change education in some way to make the world a better place, what would you do? It would be to invite teachers to trust in their instinct. And we all were brought to this profession. I think, you know, like I go back to my, my own students now, they want to make a difference. They, they want to impact kids in the lives of children and their futures. And so holding on to that, I'll have my students write a letter to themselves, um, holding on to that, trusting in your instinct and being unapologetic about it. Thank you for joining us today. Please visit our website at edforbetterworld.com. That's ed, E-D, the number four, betterworld.com for show notes and to learn more about inviting Mike and I to lead a workshop for your teachers. And don't forget to check the other podcast-related goodies. We'd like to thank Dr. Jennifer Williams for an incredible conversation today. Credit for music on the show goes to Midair Machine. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation and that it gave you some new ideas and perspectives. Through education and action, we can create a better world. Until we're together again, continue to dream big. And affect positive change. <laughs>